number 11 in our Bibles, also find Daniel chapter number 3. Hebrews chapter 11 and Daniel chapter number 3. We'll be in Hebrews 11 for just a minute. We're just going to look at a phrase and then we'll spend most of our time looking at a familiar story from the book of Daniel chapter number 3. I want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled, Make Up Your Mind. Make Up Your Mind. I'll tell you, in Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <clears throat> their mind was made up. I mean, it was made up. They were not going to bow. Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says this in verse number 32 through 34. And what, actually, let's look at 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Last week we looked at Daniel in Daniel chapter number 6 and his faith in believing God. Verse number 34, the first phrase is quenched the violence of fire. And this is, I believe, is a reference to what we find in Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I want you to turn there, and I want to read just a few verses from Daniel chapter number 3 by way of introduction, and then we'll have prayer, and we're going to dive right in. The Bible says in Daniel 3, verse 4, Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Verse 6, And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Lord, we ask this morning that you would do what only you can do. Speak to our hearts. Lord, thank you for the series on faith. Thank you for every individual that you put in Hebrews chapter 11. Lord, I don't think there's a scenario that we would face that isn't covered by one of these uh, individuals in this chapter. So, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to believe you no matter what, to walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Reynolds, I feel like I'm in and out. Am I in and out? They got to do something. You're going to help them. Tim's got it. We got it. All right. Keep the same microphone for now. All right. Here we go. Hebrew, uh, Daniel chapter number three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in a bad spot. Why don't you turn the monitors off? See if that works. Bottom left there. Is it the left side? All right. Left side. Turn that one. I don't know if he knows where it is. Richard, you might have to go back there and rescue him. All right. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in a bad spot here. They're being pressured to bow down to the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This image was some 90 feet tall by 9 feet in width in cubic dimensions. That is 9 by 9 by 90. The object of height was to get it up in the air as high as possible in order to enhance its visibility. In verse number 1 of chapter 3, you see that it was set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The plain of Dura did not, uh, there weren't any uh, mountains. It was a plain. Obviously, it could provide visibility with something that high for many miles in all directions. The plain area would provide a good location to gather the great crowd of people together in a convocation to worship this image, which, what, which is what the intent was to worship this image. All right, switch gears. Switch gears. We're going to try this one. See if this one works any better. Hello? Oh, there we go. We're back. 
So we've got this huge image that Nebuchadnezzar built. Now, this is something like this was common in the day. Can you hear me now? All right. If this doesn't work, we're just going to hold on to this one. Or we'll carry one of these singing mics around, and we'll have a good time with it. Um, the crowd at this gathering was composed of all the officials of the Babylonian government, government officials from every province of Babylon. Uh, rulers would like to gather all the government officials together for special occasions. They like to display their riches, glory, and power in order to impress and flatter their subordinates in a way that would keep them loyal. And so really this is just a big grandeur of pride. Nebuchadnezzar has this image uh, built, and the Hebrew children are supposed to, along with everyone that's there, uh, bow down. I wonder if there were other Hebrews in this position of leadership. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe. But we know there were three all bowed except for the three. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. They had been in a leadership position for some time. So they had been in a leadership position. They had respect of some, but obviously weren't liked maybe by others. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, O king, have not regarded thee. They didn't listen to you, king. You said something up. They didn't listen. Look at verse number 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his vicious was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was mad. By the way, you can hide it, uh, or you can deny it, I should say, but you can't hide it when you're mad, because the form of your visage changes, all right? Just uh, throw that in there, and uh, you've seen people that look mad, they're yelling, and they say, I'm not mad at all, and you say, well, you got to look in the mirror, you are mad. Nebuchadnezzar's ticked off. Verse 20, he makes a rash thing, as often we do when we're ticked off. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the furnace. He cranks the heat and has his strong men throw them in there. Verse 22, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What an amazing story, really, when you look at this story. And sometimes I look at these stories and I think, okay, here's a king that's making a threat and demanding God's people to conform. And then I look here at the end and I think, wow, it's kind of amazing what happened. And then we'll look in the middle in just a minute, all right? Isn't it amazing? The king's mad, the highest ruler in the land. He says, throw these guys into the furnace. His mighty men die. And here's three in the furnace that don't die. Look at verse number 25. Verse number 25, the Bible tells us that God, shows us that God's presence is, uh, is there in a special way. Verse 25, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. How did he know that? God manifested himself there. They saw God's presence in a special way. God was with them in the fire. You ever long for God's presence in your life? I'm not talking about the indwelling Spirit of God that lives in you. When you can say the Spirit of God moves in, and He never leaves you nor forsakes you. But there are times in our life where we see God do something in a special way, and we think God manifested His presence in a special way. That's what happened here. But not only that, we also see God's 
power. We see God's power demonstrated in a special way. Look at verse number 27. They, the, he, he calls them out of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. God gives us some specific details that communicate his almighty power. I mean, they weren't touched at all. Have you ever been in a fire? You ever been around a fire? You ever go out to a campfire? And you go out to a campfire and you roast your marshmallows and this and that, and you come home and someone says, you smell. You smell like fire. It's amazing that God says, look, they weren't touched. They didn't even smell like fire. God's power was demonstrated in a tremendous way. You ever long in your life to see God's power? God, I need you to work on my behalf. Elisha called out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? You know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not any less powerful today. God is just as powerful today as he ever has been. You see, we, when we get older, we get a little, a little more tired. Uh, the bones start to creak a little bit. The arthritis sets in, and, and we, we kind of get older, and we kind of lose power as we get older. God doesn't lose any power. He's the same. And his power in our text was demonstrated in a wonderful way. But I see as I continue to look at the amazing story here, in verse number 29, the Bible says this, Therefore, the king said, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. I see not just God's presence and his power, but God is promoted in a special way here. The king says, wow, this God is the real deal. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine being there with other leaders and maybe the other leaders had bowed down and then they're watching and they see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and maybe they're saying to one another, those guys are dumb. Why don't they just bow down? What's wrong with them? And then they don't bow and the people are still around. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar goes from uh, uh, being this uh, um, guy in charge. All of a sudden, he recognizes that God did something here. And you, you imagine what they were thinking afterwards? Wow, something's unusual about the God that they serve. You see, some of our, our, our existence really were here to promote the God that we serve. And it's amazing to me, we got another mic coming, bring it on here. We got another, <laughs> I already led the singing, but by tonight I'll be like this, I can't talk to you tonight. The devil's in these microphones, amen Richard? I didn't say the devil's in the sound guys, I didn't say that. In the microphones. <laughs> Your mom might think, no, I'm not going to say that, you're alright Jay. Alright, we're ringing again, here we go. 
Isn't it amazing that the highest ruler in the land now says their God is God? When I look at this story and I see the start and I see the ending, I long for the ending. (laughs) Don't you long to see God promoted? God's name is taken in vain. Doesn't that bug you that people take God's name in vain? I long to have people recognize that the God that we serve is the God of the Bible, is Jehovah God. So when I look at this, I think, wow, here are three individuals that experience God's presence in a special way. Three individuals that experienced God's power in their life. Three individuals that saw God promoted. And I think, wow, that's what's needed today. And we say, how is that? We ask ourselves the question, what is it in their life that caused God to move in such a great way? I want to call your attention to a couple words in verse number 28 of Daniel chapter number 3. We've been doing a series on believing God no matter what. These three individuals exercised faith in God. The Bible says in verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, look at the next four words, that trusted in him. The songwriter wrote, Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. You see, God acted on behalf of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they trusted in him. Because they chose when they were threatened, they chose when they were intimidated, they chose to not bow. Their mind was made up. They determined that they were going to walk by faith and they were going to believe God no matter what. The devil will do everything he can to get us off of the ground of faith. But if we will believe God, God will come through for us. He always has. He always will. God will, she sung it this morning, take care of us. He will. I want us to see, number one, their faith caused them to believe. And really, we're going to center our attention on what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego communicated to the king in verse 16, 17, and 18. I have three thoughts for you this morning. Their faith caused them to believe that God was worthy of their service. Shadrach, Meshach, verse 16, and Abednego answered and said to the king, this king is beside himself, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Their mind is made up, is basically what they say. We Uh, uh, in in this matter, Uh, if it be so, our God whom we serve. God is worthy of our service. The God that we serve. You see, they were committed to God. They were committed to serve him. But wait a minute, didn't they have a position? You spoke earlier about a position in the kingdom. They did have a position in the kingdom. That position in the kingdom as a ruler was there because God gave them favor. And obviously in chapter number two, Daniel helped them when they uh, interpreted the dream. He helped them to get this position. They were in a position of leadership in the kingdom. But they had to come to a point in their lives where they had to determine, am I going to serve King Nebuchadnezzar or am I going to serve Jehovah God? 
it's sad that we have to sometimes come to that conclusion. Who are we going to serve? Uh, over and over in the scriptures, the, 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 the command is given. Uh, Elijah said in chapter 16, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. Uh, in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua commands, calls the people together, and he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Didn't David, when he showed up and Goliath was mocking God and the, and the, the people of God, uh, didn't David say, is there not a cause? Didn't he say, hey, I'm going to take a stand for what's right? You see, their loyalty was to God first and foremost. Peter said it this way when he said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And we think about that, that's exactly where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. Though the rulers in the province, their ultimate loyalty was God. And he said to Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve. Let me tell you, Nebuchadnezzar, we're here and we're serving you. But we've got to tell you something. Our ultimate loyalty is to God. Choose you this day. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24, Scripture says, You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. You see, so often we're about our own comforts. We're about our own conveniences. We're about our own reputation. We're about ourselves. What is it that causes us to bow to the pressure of the world? What is it that causes us to cave in? Oh, we know what's right. We know what God would have us to do. But yet we still listen to the world's music. We still watch the world's Movies. You see, we're in the world, and sometimes we're of the world. We cave into pressure. Our first loyalty needs to be to the God that we serve. Whatever you do for a living, praise God, He gave you that job. But ultimately, you serve God first and foremost. And it's sad sometimes that vocations conflict. Uh, sometimes bosses will ask us to do things that are contrary to the Word of God. And we have to recognize that I have to decide, am I going to stay loyal and committed to the God of heaven? Who do you serve? Who do the people around you say you serve? I read a story about a guy by the name of Bishop Tucker. He was from Uganda. He was an artist. When asked how he became a bishop, one day he was painting a picture of a poor woman. He's an artist, thinly clad and pressing a babe to her bosom, wandering homelessly on a stormy, dark night on the, in the desert street, in a deserted street. As the picture grew, the artist suddenly threw his brush down, exclaiming, instead of merely painting the lost, I will go and serve them went to Africa as a missionary. You see, God wants us in his service. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego very quickly said, we serve God. Secondly, I want you to see this. Not only uh, did their faith cause them to believe that God was worthy of their service, their faith caused them to believe, secondly, that God was worthy of their sanction. I want you to look at verse number 17, what they say. If it be so, our God whom we serve, look at the next phrase, is able to deliver us. He is able. What are they doing? 
They're telling Nebuchadnezzar, look, pal, you might think you're in charge, but our God is stronger than you. Our God, whom we say, serve, is able to deliver. They were confident in what God could do. They promoted the power of their God. Hey, they didn't know, we see this in, 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 the, in the phrase in verse number 18, but if not. You know, sometimes God convinces us and tells us in advance, kind of we have a, a convincement that God's going to do something. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we don't know what God's going to do. And it's interesting, they didn't know what God would do, but they did and were very confident in what God could do. You see, there's a difference. And we need to be understanding concerning our God and what our God can do. I want you to turn to a story in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter number 5. This is a great illustration of the point we're trying to help us to see here this morning, 2 Kings chapter number 5. The nameless maid. In verse 1 of 2 Kings 5, the Bible says this, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. So here's a great man. Here's a man that had accomplished much. Here's a man of great position. But the Bible says he has a problem. But... He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. Here's a young girl that was taken captive in, their, in the, one of their battles. And she ended up waiting on Naaman's wife. She served Naaman's wife. And the Bible says, she said unto her mistress, again, here's a young gal. Here's a young gal serving this powerful leader, this powerful man. And she has bold, she, she's bold enough to speak and to speak on behalf of her God. And she says this, the scripture says, she says in verse number five, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. You know what she said? If this guy, your husband, could go see the prophet, God will heal him. And you know the story, obviously. Naaman is healed. It's interesting. Verse 4, they go in and told the Lord, and, and uh, he, he thinks it's going to happen differently. Elisha, verse 10, sends a messenger and says, go dip in the Jordan River. And he's kind of mad because, again, he's a powerful individual. And he is healed. Verse 14, Then went he down and dipped himself seven times into Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. We read a story of a miracle that happened. And it happened because a young gal was willing to talk about the power of her God. Understanding the man of God. Can I say something? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were bold in their stand. They were confident, but they weren't confident in their own ability. 
They were confident in the ability of the God that they served. How confident are we in the ability of the God that we serve? You see, when we get news, when, when we find ourselves frantic, and we find ourselves fearful, and we find ourselves complaining and murmuring, hey, we're not really communicating to the people around us and to the world in which we live that our God is able. You see, we've got to get a hold of the fact that our God is able and it needs to be communicated to others. Hey, do you know what? Jesus can help you with that problem. Our God is able to deliver. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego promoted the power of God just like this little maid. And I'm convinced that Naaman was healed because a little maid had boldness to communicate that God was able. We need to communicate that God is able. This world needs to see what God can do. Number three, I want you to see this and we'll be finished. They believed that God was worthy of their sacrifice. In verse number 18, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. Matter of fact, if you look at what's said in verse number 28, we, that's our verse where we said they trusted in him and have changed the king's word, amazing, and yielded their bodies. They were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice if that's what it needed for their God. Well, we talk about sacrifice. Oh, I'd be willing to die for the Lord. Don't make that statement if you're not willing to live for the Lord. If you're not willing to take a gospel tract and to say to somebody, hey, Jesus saves and he can change your life. You see, we talk about, oh, if the time comes, I'd stand, really. And and we're ashamed when it comes to passing out a gospel tract. Or we're ashamed when it comes to praying for a meal. We're ashamed to say, hey, I'm I'm going to to church, and and I'm a Christian, and I, I love the Lord, and that's why I don't go where you go, and that's why I don't drink, and that's why I don't listen to that kind of music, and that's why I dress differently. You see, we're on the Lord's side. We're to come out from among them and identify with him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really put their, hey, kill us. That's what they did. They didn't know, humanly speaking, they were dying going into this furnace. They said, God's able, but if not, we're going to go, we're going to die anyway. And God delivered in a miraculous way. David Livingston was a Scottish missionary and explorer who spent 33 years In the heart of Africa, he endured much suffering as he labored to spread the gospel and open the continent to missionary. A godly missionary once remarked, people talk of this godly missionary, David Livingston, said this. People talk of the sacrifice I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? It is emphatically no sacrifice, saying rather, it is a privilege. 
anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All of these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us. And he said this, I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. Here's a man that went through a lot harder, more difficult things than we find ourselves here in America. And he said, don't call it sacrifice. It's a privilege. I think of what the disciples said in Acts chapter number 5. We were counted worthy to suffer for his name. Worthy. They didn't say, hey, it was a sacrifice. You think about that. They that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Sometimes I wonder how godly we all really are when we think about it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted in God. Their faith caused them to believe that God was worthy of their service. Can I tell you something? He's worthy of our service. He really is. Hey, it caused them to think, hey, he's worthy of our sanction. Let's talk about God. Let's talk big about God. He's worthy of our sacrifice. The songwriter said this, take the world, but give me Jesus. Lord, help us.